0: listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Our Right Stories, a podcast created and developed by the Just Right Scotland team with your host, Natalia. Today's episode is focusing on one of our legal centers, the Scottish Anti-Trafficking and Exploitation Center. This episode highlights the work that our caseworkers do for the center and their experience here at Just Right Scotland. Today we have a special guest, Antonia. Hi, Natalia.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me here.
0: Amazing. And Amon? Hi, nice to be here. Perfect. So, Antonia, <laughs> could you give us a little more information about what you do at Just Right Scotland?
1: Of course. So I work as a senior legal caseworker um, at two of Just Right Scotland's Law Centres. Um, the first is the Scottish Refugee and Migrant Centre, um, which we already have a podcast episode on. Um, and we refer to it as Smirk internally. Um, and the focus of the podcast today is on the other centre I work in, and that is the Scottish Anti-Trafficking and Exploitation Centre, which we call SATEC.
2: Amazing. And I'm on. So I'm a legal caseworker working at SATEC and SMARC with Antonia.
0: So could you give a little bit more details about what you do in each centre?
2: Yeah, sure. So... As a legal caseworker, I remember when I was finding my feet within the role, one of our team members told me that a legal caseworker is essentially a safe pair of hands for the team, especially to the lawyers they support and the clients who rely on them. And in that way, I see my role centering around this. So my role consists of um, supporting my team, specifically the laws and the different aspects of casework, which include things like drafting legal representations, which are essentially documents that we send to a decision making body in, on behalf of the client. Um, it also involves uh, regular liaising with external partners like the Home Office, to GPs, to schools, and gathering evidence for our client's application, and uh, researching on particular points of law. And one of the most enjoyable parts of the job is meeting clients to progress different parts of their cases. And of course, this all comes with the maintenance and record keeping of cases. um, And my least favourite part, which might be everyone's least favourite part here is invoices. (laughs) 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 And keeping up with the process of that. And due to the nature of how collective SATEC is and JRS is, um, the role also involves the development and delivery of outreach sessions for our clients and for the community groups that we work for. That's
0: really cool. And I also really like that you said that a caseworker is like a pair of helping hands. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, just adding that little note kind of just makes it seem like really safe and like secure. And I think that's such a good support role that you don't really realize or recognize is so essential in law centers to keep things going. That's amazing. So, Antonia, you are the senior legal caseworker. Can you give us some details about what that includes?
1: Um, I will definitely try my best. I don't think I will be as eloquent as a man as explaining it because that was just perfect. Um, So as a senior legal caseworker, the only sort of variations in my role um, is that I provide support and assistance to the other legal caseworkers in the team Um. I feel like I've got a lot of knowledge on a lot of parts of GRS that I'm just constantly sharing. Um, it's like I've got all these library books in my head. Um, <laughs> I also um, provide a lot of training to new staff. Um, so I have delivered many sessions on our current case management system, our finance process, which as Aman said, is our least favorite part of this role. <laughs> um, again, I have a lot of knowledge on it. Um, and yeah, I'm essentially... Another safe pair of hands um, for when the lawyers aren't here um, and someone else is needed um, to sort of take over things. Um, but in the day to day of my job, I do the same task as a man.
0: Mm, that's amazing. I think you're underselling yourself just a bit because mm-hmm. I definitely know that you're the person to go to. If we have any questions in regards to like legal anything, like my first thought is like, oh, OK, let me ask Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> you were definitely that core person in the team. I love that. Um. Since we're talking a lot about the um, Scottish Anti-Trafficking and Exploitation Centre, could either one of you, so I'll start with Antonia, could you um, describe the most interesting thing that you've learned through your work?
1: I think only picking one thing as the most interesting has been difficult. Um, I think what I've appreciated the most with SATEC um, is how varied and adaptable the centre has been Um, Particularly, um, I started my role in 2021 and we were coming off the back of COVID um, and then in 2022 we've had the Russian invasion of Ukraine um, and all of these factors have had a real impact on trafficking and exploitation um, in the way people are recruited and brought into the UK and the types of exploitation that they face. and the work that SATIC has done in particular in this, um, we've responded to all these challenges, all these developments. Um, One example um, would be, um, we hosted the Workers Support Centre in 2022, and this had a focus on giving legal advice to workers who were entering the UK and doing seasonal work, um, such as picking berries, they're on farms. So, um we give them legal advice um on the situations on the farms as we found that some of the farms and the sponsors of their visas can actually create exploitative situations um and working in another country particularly if you're not aware of the language um it really leaves people vulnerable um and we found at the time of in following the invasion um of Ukraine and um, there was a lot of Ukrainian nationals that were working on Scottish farms um, and I think seeing how quickly SATEC adapted and co-hosting um, the centre, seeing our solicitors um, gain a wealth of knowledge um, and provide that support not only legally um, but in matters of housing um, it it was really interesting to see um, and I think it's a really important part of working in SATEC
0: yeah i think that's really interesting i didn't know because when i think of scotland i don't automatically fully know what exploitation looks like here and i think you know that example that you give really does put into perspective to me like oh okay so that's kind of what that looks like and what that means that's really interesting Mm -hmm. aman what about you do you have a yeah
2: on the back of what antonia said i think it's the um, diversified nature of the clients that we have. So what was really interesting for me and both harrowing too, was realizing the scale of human trafficking that takes place within the UK. And it's the reality of how essentially um, anyone can be led into a vulnerable position to be trafficked and exploited. And we see wide ranges of nationalities and backgrounds, depending on the particular human rights crises that's occurring in that time, who've been identified as possible victims of human trafficking exploitation in Scotland. And what's most interesting is that I remember reading a report um, from the United States um, State Department um, who release annual reports on trafficking in persons on a country to country basis. in that, they shared that the majority of identified victims in the UK were actually UK citizens, um, and oh, wow. it was it was shocking to see, you know, because it's not something that you, from a generalist perspective, would uh, be aware of or assume.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, even you saying that, I'm kind of curious, like citizens being exploited, and honestly, I'm kind of surprised that the US even does that. That's something <laughs> I'm learning, learning every day. Um. How does that? I don't know if you have any examples of some of some of the cases that that kind of looks like, as far as like citizens?
2: Um, Yeah, so I guess it goes back to not all cases of human trafficking or exploitation are easy to understand or detect. And uh, for example, a victim may not understand what's happened to them um, is abuse, especially if they've been groomed, or if they believe that they're in a relationship with their abuser, and they're unaware that they're being exploited. Um, Quite a sad realization and the reality of the trauma that trafficking victims um, experience is where victims think that they've played a part in their abuse, Mm. um, or they think that they've broken a law, um, or they feel guilty or ashamed about the abuse that they suffered.
0: Yeah, that's quite difficult, I think, to process. Yeah. I mean, kind of just building on what you're telling me, it sounds like there can be a lot of like roller coaster of emotions um, working with survivors of human trafficking and exploitation. I'm kind of curious, how do you cope with this as being a caseworker? Because you do get to read, I think, a lot of the documents and you do get to hear a lot of the stories as well and meet the clients. So do you have any ways that you kind of cope?
2: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Um, And the first is to acknowledge that it is difficult. Um, and appreciate that the difficulty comes because you care about the work and the people that you're working for. I think what really helps from that is after I've acknowledged, I know that the people that I'm lucky to work with, like Antonia, they share the same values as me. And so I'm able to go to them and share that difficulty or um, share the uneasiness that I'm feeling at a particular moment with them. Um, And it really builds on the culture of care that JRS has where we accept the the hardship and the hostility that we face within the work that we do, but we tailor it back to our clients because that's who we're working for. And when we acknowledge that, then we're able to give more to them too. Mm-hmm. And that makes the work um, much more understandable emotionally, um, where you're able to provide the help you need to yourself, but also to the clients that you're working for.
0: That's really powerful. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. You said that with the JRS culture of care and how Having that in our own organization does also kind of amplify how we do that with our clients. Yeah. What about you, Antonio? What are some kind of ways that you cope with dealing with um, difficult client
1: situations or emotional stories? Um, I think Aman has, again, summed up really beautifully. <laughs> um, I think what I find with this work um, that would hit me the most um, is that Trafficking, exploitation, um, forced labour. It's happening all around us. Um, and I I felt before I started the role it was something that I was aware of, um, but it was also something that would happen elsewhere. Um, and I think with seeing the clients we work with, it's seeing how close by all of this is um when we get a new client on if when we take a new client on um and we find the details of their abuse, and there's been times that I've found that it's occurred in an area of Glasgow that I've known quite well um, as it's where I live. Um, And it sometimes just hits home that this is happening all around. Um, I think just removing myself from the situation can help. I think being outdoors, um, I think even though we don't get much of the sun in Scotland, (laughs) it really does help just getting that perspective that even though we see some of the most harrowing parts of a person's experience, Um, that there is still a world out there where not everything is as gloomy um, and terrifying. Um, I do just want to echo the colleagues that we work with here um, and the culture. Like, I wouldn't be able to be in this job without them. Um, I think the supervision and just the time we get to take a break for ourselves, um, take that pressure off when things are too much. Um, And I think the colleagues that we work with the length of time they've had in this career I think as a more junior member of the team it's really inspiring to see that no matter how long someone's been in the role they're still here they're still fighting they're still advocating um to put an end to this and to best support um the survivors of trafficking and so it is inspirational too.
0: Yeah, I love the way you put that um I also I'm kind of curious because you say that now that you live where you live and I'm curious like How often are you in a situation now where you're like, oh, now I know that these are certain signs that I look for with casework and exploitation. Like, How often does that happen, do you think, like weekly for you?
1: I wouldn't say it's something that I think about every week. I think it's something that just hits you um, in different moments. Um, I don't think you can turn it off. Um, Once you're aware that exploitation um, is a scale, there's various forms of it. Um, It can be from, is someone working in this place and are their work conditions respected? Do they have rights and entitlements here? Um, Is is someone doing work um, at home in their family that ordinarily wouldn't be, Um, in particular for children, um, it's quite common. some children to be trafficked and exploited for domestic servitude. Um, And that, it looks like one child taking on all the responsibilities in the house, Um, for example, doing the cooking and the cleaning, but that role is not shared within other children, um, and it's just kept for one. Um, And with trafficking and exploitation taken many forms, um, it's hard to not look for it everywhere.
0: Yeah. No, that's fair. And honestly, that example you gave is amazing, because I would have never, yeah, that's something I just, I would have never thought. And it also has a term for it, which I think is very, very interesting. Um, I'm curious if there's any stories that you've heard that particularly touched you.
1: I think it's really cheesy to say, but all of them. And um, I think one of the Perks of a man and nice job is that wh- because we work across both centres, we assist the solicitors throughout, and we get to work on all cases essentially. Um, so we get to dip in and out and talk to different clients, help on different matters. Um, and yeah, I really enjoy getting to see all of it. Um, and all of our clients here are incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That's why i say. What about you, man?
2: Yeah, I echo that. I think having that ability to work on such a variety of cases at one time too, it really builds your perspective and it shifts it too because of any natural biases um, that you come with or enter the job with, they're always questioned and always challenged because of the people that you meet and the individuals that push that. Um, and I also think that on the back of what Antonio was saying about each client having uh, impact is so true because each client um, even where their experiences may be similar or their journeys may be similar the you know the resilience that they have and the way that they've dealt with the challenges they've faced are all in their own individual ways different and you learn that from each client too so um, yeah it's, it's a blessing that we're able to work in that way
0: yeah I mean so my next question I think kind of feeds into what you're both saying but What are some of the positive sides knowing that you have helped someone and changed their lives? Iman, I'll start with you.
2: (laughs) I think it's just that, you know, you don't realize how much uh, you play a part in a client's uh, life until it happens, and you see that they finally have that sense of safety, which they've had to fight for through every possible means to gain. And they've been questioned and belittled and dehumanized throughout the whole process what's amazing about the clients we work for is that from my perspective i don't think they realize just how much of a life-changing impact they have on us um and how inspiring their resilience is to shifting our perspectives
0: that's really powerful i really like the way you put that and i think it's so important i guess as well for you to say like to hint on the resilience Mm -hmm. because most of the times when i hear about clients and some of their journeys i mean i'm struck like i'm like i could have never even thought that this was something that could happen or even something that can happen in scotland and yeah i think both of you play such an important part in like helping these clients feel comfortable as well sharing their stories and stuff like that and i think that's so powerful but um same question to you as well antonia um so what's a positive side of knowing that you've helped someone and
1: it basically changed your life um Again, want to echo everything that Amanda's saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be something I say every time. Um, but I think it's also seeing that we're just one part of that person's journey. Um, in some of our cases, we have clients returning back to us and getting to see the progress that they've made themselves by reintegrating into Scotland um, and the lives they build for themselves once they're here and they're safe. Um is just makes it all worth it. We've had one long-standing client, um, particularly in Satek, that I've worked with, um, and they recently just received refugee status. um, (gasps) Mm -hmm. And this individual has been through so much before they arrived in the UK, but since they have been in the UK, um, working on that person's case um, has just been so inspiring to see them and their family go through it, Um, but also to get that satisfaction that we did manage to secure them safety, we did manage to secure them legal status, we have and will continue to assist them um, in other things that are outside the legal realm um, and continue to help them um, in the future. I think that's the most and best thing about SATEC. And am um, SATIC being held at GRS as a law center we have funding and time to spend with our clients mm-hmm. and develop trust um, and good relationships um, that other legal aid firms won't be able to provide um, and it's something that should be the norm for everyone um, because when a person is exploited they're they're targeted due to their vulnerabilities um, so to give them their agency and their confidence back um, And seeing that through the resilience and growth is the best part.
0: Yeah, I think that's so good. You also hear, I think that's so important because like, again, like you're saying, JRS is kind of setting a standard that should be a minimum of dealing with, you know, clients that have been through very difficult situations. Um, And I think, again, I'm going to say this, I think both of you do such a good job at like making people feel comfortable and, and and like you're saying, kind of developing that trust and that relationship with the clients, and I think that is just so so powerful. Um, but I will say to our listeners, uh, Antonia has recently been promoted to senior legal workers, We said in the beginning, guys, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna make me blush, <laughs> I don't know. which is amazing, well deserved, obviously. Um, so I'm kind of curious, what do you hope for your future?
1: I think, I touched upon it earlier, um, that I have been at Just Right Scotland for quite a while. Um, I first began in 2020 um, as a legal intern um, through um, the Robertson Trust. um, And since my time at university, I always knew that I wanted to be in social justice. I wanted to help people advocate for their rights. um, And through my time at GRS, it's just really cemented that in the future I will be um, a human rights solicitor Um, and I'm saying I will be because I am manifesting it Um, and I really want to have legal expertise in the areas that are the foundation of SATEC. Um, I want to work in migration, um, gender-based violence and human trafficking. Um, I'd like to do that at an international level eventually one day. Um, Mm -hmm. but before all of that, um, I'd like to complete a master's in international human rights law and qualify in Scotland. Um, and I think while being at JRS, getting to see my colleagues' careers, their experiences prior to being here has been really influential in showing that it is a possibility. Um, as well as at university, I definitely felt that this wasn't a career path that was obvious. Um, to most people um at the time of my degree um and it's just really inspiring that there's so many great careers out there and if anyone's listening it is possible Mm -hmm. um and yeah hopefully one day I'll be coming to you with another and another good career update
0: yeah I mean it sounds like we're gonna be looking out for you and you're gonna be making
1: the rounds
0: and be international (laughs) everything you know who knows you may even be um Furthering it for JRS in a different capacity. Um, just some things to manifest for you.
1: <laughs> hey, if, you, if you're friend, I won't say
0: no. <laughs> so, Aman, question. What is the best memory you have of working with Just Right Scotland? Honestly, how long have you been working with Just Right Scotland?
2: So, I joined at the start of 2021. So, it's been nearly two years now. And it feels like a very short time. Um, I feel like... When I look back, I don't feel like I've been here for that long. Um, And I think it's owed to how fast uh, time has gone by and also just how much I've learned uh, on the job. And so, with that, a lot of good memories have come. Um, When I was thinking about answering this question, I really couldn't think of one particular memory. I think it's honestly celebrating uh, the wins when they come. And for the most part, it isn't always the quote-unquote, biggest cases that you deal with or the most contentious points of law or the case that's gone to the highest court. But it's the cases that you I have a connection to or I've seen my colleagues have a deep connection to that mean the most. So each case is different in its um, complexities, but as you we were talking about before, every client leaves their um, impact. And all of our wins are huge because they're literally life-changing for that client. And... Um, And it's the clients that I've been able to develop a meaningful connection with that form the best memories for me. So recently we had a Satec client um, who has gained a secure immigration status in the UK. (laughs) And they speak in Urdu and we would speak in Urdu with each other. And so in our last conversation, um, they were telling me about a recipe of a dessert they wanted to make to celebrate. Um, the news and we were sharing our tips and tricks and cooking and the food that we like the most and they were telling me um, just how nice it is to just talk to me
0: Hmm.
2: and that really goes a long way because being in this role or working in a legal capacity like we do um, it comes with remembering that you're working for and with other human beings and that they need to feel humanized especially when these are victims of some of the most violent crimes and the trauma that they've endured through that. And that really echoes through JRS and the teams I'm lucky to work in where the best memories are actually the moments that I've seen or experienced. Um, A client feeling that sense of security and feeling that especially when they're with us.
0: No, I love that story. (laughs) What was the dessert?
2: <laughs> it was kheer, so it's a special rice pudding that we make with saffron, and it is Ooh. amazing.
0: Mm, smells, <laughs> like, it smells good. <laughs> it sounds like it would smell good. Um, that's amazing. I, yeah, I think that's such, so important. Is again like realizing that these are real human beings going through real struggles, and I think that's such an important kind of point to make, just in general, because I think often in human rights work. And you guys will know way more than I do. But I think often in human rights work and the media and everything that's kind of surrounding the work that we do, it's not always the most friendly towards clients Mm -hmm. and their situations. And it does often make them more of a statistic than make them actually human. Um, Yes, I think that's such an important part. Um, On the 18th of October, 2023, we took part in the UN Anti-Trafficking Day. It's an awareness day to honor those who have been victims of this terrible crime and to increase awareness of and progress in the fight against. What are your hopes for Scotland in the future and for Satec in general, Aman?
2: So the reaction uh, that I'm seeing from the third sector is no matter what the government throws, um, the sector pushes back. And they challenge that hostility day in, day out. And for SATEC, I think it's an all encompassing approach that we take to support and empower victims of trafficking and exploitation and for them to really find their place for themselves here. And we do that holistically. So I hope that we continue on this scale, but that we build into this holistic nature of working, especially within that, I hope that we continue to build the solid relationships that we have with our third sector partners. So partners like Migrant Help and Tara, who are the Trafficking Awareness Raising Alliance, who are all playing a part in that holistic support um, for clients to build a life for themselves here where it's not just that you know they're helped through their case and they're left themselves after, but that they're given that sense of security and community um, throughout their time in the UK.
0: No, I think that, that's really, really cool. And I was going to pose the same question to you, Antonia, so if you want to come in.
1: Honestly, my first reaction when I seen this question was, I hope that there is no longer a need for us to be here um, in the sense that I wish there is no longer people that are being exploited while they're in Scotland. I'm not going to be naive enough to say that that will be an option um, as exploitation seems to follow whatever... Occurs in the world, um, unfortunately, for SATEC, picking up on what a man said about the holistic approach we have, um, in the past couple of years, um, we run and have developed um a peer support project, um, for our current clients, um, who have settled in the UK to give advice to people who've just recently received a decision on their immigration status, um. And through this peer support project, they can ask any questions. It's just direct advice from someone that's been in their situation um, on how to get a job, um, where to go, um, um, like they've given dating advice, they've given advice about their children, Mm -hmm. about some of the many things that come so naturally to people who have lived in Scotland for a while. Um, And I think part of that model that we've developed um, I think I'd like to see that more in SATEC. I feel like in SATEC, as a law centre, we do primarily focus on the law, but all of us within the team already go beyond that with our clients um, and advocating for them and in- other ways, if it's with social work to get more support for the individual, if it's applying for a driving license and helping them find an instructor, um, we're here. Um, and I'd like to see that more focused um, in our role or have additional people come in to have a dedicated advocacy worker for our clients throughout their time. And um, as I know that with some funding, um, some other organisations aren't able to continue with that after a certain time period. Um, In Scotland itself, um, trafficking matters for the most part are devolved um, in the sense that we have our own criminal justice system, um, we have our own legal system, we have our own education system, and I know GRS in general has done work um, to advocate for people's rights in these areas. I would like to see the Scottish government doing more to tackle the hostile approach that's been levelled at us by the Westminster government. I think we do have power in these areas and for our clients, more should be done to protect them against this Um, and we've got some power that we should use to to its full extent um, to help battle this. That's amazing.
0: I love that both of your answers are like hitting this problem from like different points, right? So um, working with different organizations that also do similar work to, you know, make sure that And there's enough collective resilience which a word that i'm definitely stealing from antonia (laughs) um but i think as well as that looking at the legal portions and looking at that but then also creating that peer support which i think is also just so important because a lot of times we are so focused on On getting the solution is that this person is still going through life this person is still going through things like this kind of isn't like i guess separate from what they you know are continuing to deal with um so no i really yeah i really hope that everything that you know you both have said for scotland and and for sat do come come through and and you know dependent on funding which you know i think is going to be great i also
2: make a point on what you said uh, the peer support program mm. yeah i just wanted to touch on that because i think that's so important where we as an organization are building our foundations on lived and learned experience and our peer support program like antonia saying is built on those very values that we are obviously going to be there for our clients but sometimes our clients are um better placed to be there for each other where they can guide each other through the experiences they share and really hones in on the uh principle of valuing people's experiences where they are best placed to advise each other and where we can take more of a backseat approach like where we're moderating um on I
0: 100% agree with you. I think Mm -hmm. there's definitely value in a person's experience. And and that in itself is such a good education. And it feeds probably way better than if me or Antonia were to be guiding people through peer support things. Because while we do have experience of these things, we don't have the experience that they would have. And we don't come from the same boat that they would come from, right? So Mm -hmm. it's definitely one of those things, 100%. Yes. Um, As mentioned earlier a lot of these projects such as the peer support program our lived experience panel are very dependent on funding this is why supporting organizations like us at just right scotland are so essential in continuing the fight and extending human rights in scotland you can go to our website www.justrightscotland.org.uk to donate thank you again for being here and you know sharing your experiences as being legal caseworkers or senior legal caseworker um And I think it's so important because I feel like you are part of like the wheels and the structure that don't necessarily always get the spotlight to share, you know, your experience in this kind of um, center and stuff. And I think what you deal with and the things that you go through are so powerful. And I thank both of you for coming here and sharing that.
2: Thank you so much for saying that, and it was honestly so nice to be here, and special shout out to Natalia, the best podcast host. (laughs) Yeah, we would not be
1: able to have got through this without you. (laughs) Um, It's been an incredible experience, and I think this podcast also represents so much of the wheels in the background and showcasing all the talent. And the work that JRS does in general. Um, So thank you for giving us that platform an opportunity to shine.
0: Amazing. And I hope this won't be the only time we will see one's platform.
1: (laughs) Many more to come.
2: (laughs) See you next year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See you next season. Amazing. Also make sure to double check our show notes to see links to the scottish anti-trafficking and exploitation center webpage on our website also to see more information about what the center does more information about the peer support program and also how to donate like always listeners don't forget to like comment and share this podcast don't forget you can always listen back to our episodes on our podbean website podcast streaming services and social media pages we'll catch you next time